0: Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Bait Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm Ryan Cabrera, and your co-host, and this is Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Celebrate the new year, aren't we? That's right. Happy...
1: Gregorian New Year.
0: 2021. Gregorian. New year. We have officially right. left 2020 in the That's dust. That's right. You know, they say you can officially say that hindsight is 2020. 2020. <laughs>
1: You know, my thing is about these resolutions. Uh, I resolved
0: to take these glasses off.
1: Is that, you know, you have a civil new year, which is Rosh Hashanah, in the seventh month on the first day. Then, of course, you have the biblical new year. Right. So if you didn't make this Gregorian new year of 2021, because I'm actually doing some things for the Gregorian year to change. Mm, Me too. I'm not going to wait for the biblical new year of Passover or Pesach in the first month. That's right. So I'm going to
0: hit it now. Strike while the iron is hot. And that's going
1: to be wonderful. So, yeah, so uh, Ryan's got a few announcements. We're going to jump right into Exodus.
0: That's right. So this coming weekend, January 9th and 10th, 9th being our Shabbat service, and then uh, the 10th being Sunday all day, we're having our, ooh, there you go. That looks good. That looks good. You guys I'm, see 2021. I'm a, I'm a f- professional. Yeah, you are a professional. A paid professional. Yeah, for those people that are listening to the podcast, they can't see that we were wearing some ridiculous 2021 glasses Make on our faces. YouTube, right, or yeah, so so for those of you that didn't get Christmas to see Laura, it. yeah you just have to go to YouTube or to Facebook and you can see it live in a living color. Although we definitely have faces for radio. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Anyways, what was I saying? So purity conference, the ninth and 10th. Um, we have a guest speaker, Pam Stenzel. Listen, um, uh, intimacy, And the young people is a hot topic today, and obviously the world has one plan, God has another plan, and so we're trying to stick with God's plan as found in the Bible. That's right. And we're trying to teach it to our young people, our single folks, and so this is going to be an awesome uh, event this weekend. I believe the Saturday service will be live-streamed and will be kid-friendly correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And then course, Sunday is not live, stream, is not live believe, streamed. Right. It's a personal community event. It will be. And so we encourage anybody here locally to come to the event. Um, you can go online and get the info, call the office, you can get registered, uh, all that good stuff. The event is free. However, we will be providing the ability to pay for meals, lunch and dinner. If you register for that. Yeah. If you register ahead of time, for which is it. a good deal.
1: $10 per individual. You get a lunch and dinner. Yep. 25 for each family. Gotcha. Lunch and dinner
0: yeah no matter how many very people cost are efficient that's right and, and within the hebrew roots community people got some big families well, yeah, so 25 bucks well. is a steal yeah. if you really think about it that's right all right so happy new year uh you know what i would like for the new year i would like you guys to share our podcast and our videos on social media share that's true so that people get give us all the stars the message can, right? listen christians need torah Absolutely. Because this is a great dialogue. There's so much out there that is like left in the the unknown, the gray areas, and Torah just cleans it right up. You know, you want to try to make a decision, go to the Torah, there's probably something in black and white that says this way or that way,
1: and this is God's constitution.
0: Absolutely, teachings Absolutely. and instructions, and can't go wrong. What's cool is that as a Christian who's born again and has the Holy Spirit, the Torah for you is a more valuable tool to you than to anybody else in the world because you have the Holy Spirit to help you, That's and the true. Spirit of God will help you uh, interpret the Torah, use the Torah, and apply it to your daily life. That's right. So, boom! All right, today is an exciting day. We ended the Book of Genesis last week. The family right. tree, and now we are moving into the book of Exodus, A.K.A. Shemot. Shooting ahead 430 years, right? Uh, no, no. 400 probably, what was years was like 200 years, right? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe a little less. You'd
1: be in captivity for
0: in Egypt for 430 years. It's 430 years from when Abraham got the promise. So 400 years from where Abraham got the promise to when they leave Egypt. 430 years. Good concept. Yeah. <laughs> i have to go back and check that. Just trust it. Just Let's do it. It's science, all right? Trust the science. That's what they say, right? So the Torah portion today is the same name as the book of Exodus in Hebrew, which is Shemot, and it means names going with the beginning of the Torah portion. And this is the Torah portion found in Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, and ending in chapter 6 and verse 1. So Exodus, of
1: course, is the second book found in the Torah, and it is the book of redemption. Uh, This particular book of Exodus can be divided up into two parts, basically. Chapters 1 through 18 is going to be about deliverance. And then, of course, chapters 19 to 40 would be about worship, uh, the Sinai instructions. So, once again, we have deliverance, chapters 1 through 18, and then 19 through 40 are uh, uh, actually uh, the subject matter is worship, the Sinai instructions, or the giving of the Torah. Now... It's from grown to glory, this particular book, which is really cool, from groan to glory. Uh, we're dealing with a slave mentality here coming out of Egypt. And a key word is, of course, the word deliver. A key expression is found in the book of Exodus, as the Lord commanded Moses. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into uh, Exodus chapter one, a new king in Egypt. Uh, r- the r- following, r- yeah, the following children of Israel came into Egypt. It was Reuben, Sibion, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Uh, so these are the following children. And this e- e- actually equals 70 souls came from the loins of Jacob. And, of course, the land of Egypt was filled with the children of Israel. Uh, so you're going to see some incredible things happening here. Yeah, they multiply. As they multiply, you know. And so keep that in mind. Uh, because here's the deal. Uh, I mean, th- this is just something to think about. I believe that the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews. Oh, absolutely. Only because of the examples in the Bible, the scriptures, and everything else, you know. And, of course, it requires a right action. But That's I a ju- fact. There's but no I just question. want to say that even Paul says there's natural branches and wild branches. Wild things. There's actually even a prophecy or a reference in here that, uh, the divorced, widowed wife or woman uh, will have more children than the married one. So you can let scripture interpret scripture and jump right. into all of that. But uh, you know this this did the new king of Egypt know Joseph Ryan?
0: No, and I think the connotation here is that uh, he didn't. He ignored Joseph, didn't have respect for Joseph, so on and so forth. So he
1: did not know Joseph. And of course,
0: at this point. Joseph you're has looking been at a whole. Yeah. yeah, you're
1: looking at a brand new administration. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, the king of Egypt he feared that the children of Israel would multiply and join Egypt's enemies to fight them. Uh, once again, this is a vain imagination.
0: Well, it is. But this is, is,
1: like is going to be almost like a, you know, a, partly a genocide.
0: Well, we have to remember that the the children of Israel, because they're uh, shepherds and cattle herders are separate by design over in Goshen. And so they've multiplied exceedingly, they've grown, they've flourished, they've prospered. And so because they do all of that and keep themselves separate and haven't really assimilated into Egyptian culture as much as regular Egyptians, they've set themselves up kind of as a target for this Pharaoh who sees them as a threat. And actually this is this is
1: a form of prejudice. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this is prejudice, now, vain imagination. So so once again, the King of Egypt set taskmasters over the children of Israel, and they built the treasure cities of Pithom and Ramses. And of course, the more the children of Israel were afflicted, the the more they multiplied and grew. Now, this is a world empire, a major world empire. Oh, absolutely. He's the, Egypt's the main one. Matter of fact, they're they're even all up into uh, the land of Canaan. Which would be the land of Israel today, um, and so they're they're encompassing that part of it in North Africa. So Egypt is a major major uh, a world empire, and of course uh, the Egypt, the Egyptians made the lives of the children of Israel bitter. Uh, you know it's interesting. You know when you when you talk to an Egyptian, they're not they say they're not Arabs; they're Egyptian. Oh yeah there's a distinction which is kind of just interesting. like people from
0: Iran are not Arabs they're Persians
1: right so anyway it's kind of interesting um, and so now we have of course we have Pharaoh we have the children of Israel he doesn't know he doesn't know Joseph uh, then of course you have all these Israelites and then of course now there's taskmasters over the children of Israel and then of course you have uh, uh, the names of the two Hebrew midwives with Shifra which means beautiful and Pua means mouth and, of course, now all of a sudden you have this uh, these two characters here that are Hebrew midwives. I find it interesting that, that midwives is becoming very popular now. We used to have to go all the way to Lutz, to Labor of Love, to, to get a midwife. And now it's just down the street, right. a sweet child of mine. And uh, we have a great midwife. And so, you know, the thing is, it, it's very interesting how some of these things are actually playing out. And the king of Egypt wanted the Hebrew midwives to kill all the males born to the Hebrew mothers, but keep alive all the females. Yeah, what a so request. kill the seed. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting when you look at it because in Genesis 3.15, it says there'll be enmity between the, 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 the two seeds, right. Satan's seed and the woman's seed. And of course, what's going to happen is uh, the head will be crushed of Satan and the heel would be bruised. And Yeshua, Jesus, he came to destroy the works of the enemy. And he literally, if you want to take the Bible, literally had nails put into his feet, yeah. which caused uh, bruised heels. I would say. And he crushed Satan's head. Yeah. And he didn't realize the prophecy came to pass. Um, now, you know, uh, what's good about this is the Hebrew midwives allowed the males that were born to live because they feared God. You know, so you're having some serious multiplication here. And the accuse that the Hebrew midwives gave to the king of Egypt for why the male children were alive was that the Hebrew mothers gave birth before they could get to them. So they had an excuse and that's what they that's what they came up with, which is very, very important to understand.
0: So this is an example of, of two women doing something righteous, saving alive right. her people, um, and covering for you know the normal daily lives of these women that are having babies, and, and there's a lot families. going on. And just let's just say they made their names, made it in the Bible. And
1: geographically I, speaking, they're in Goshen, which is north right, of Egypt. Right. There, you know, and so uh, the people multiplied; they waxed mighty. And because the midwives feared God, He made them houses. Yeah. You know that's why when you make decisions, a lot of times, do you fear man or do you fear God? And so Pharaoh then charged his people to throw the sons in the river, born from the Hebrew mothers, but keep the daughters alive. You know, once again, uh, Satan is going after the seed because remember the prophecy, Genesis yeah. 315, just like Herod. Let's kill all the male children. Was it two years and under or something? Yeah. So so once again, we have that. And that's, of course, chapter one. Uh, chapter two, Moses is born. Another character. Wow. Yeah. So once again, we have Pharaoh. Right. He didn't know Joseph we've got the children of Israel, we've got taskmasters, right? Which isn't good, you know, they're they're making sure that all these things are carried out that Pharaoh wants. Yeah. So you could get a good taskmaster or a bad one, depends on his, his mood or his temperament. Oh yeah. And then of course we go into, also we have these two midwives, which are two main characters in the plot. And now we're going into the story of
0: Moses now. You know, uh, uh, Mike Cromwell brought up something that I had never really thought about previously. And then if you remember what Joseph did uh, when he brought all of the store, all of the, the grain into the storehouse, and then the famine hit, and then in order to get that grain back, everyone basically was selling right. their property, then their themselves. livestock, and then yeah. eventually they, they became you know, workers of the state, right, slaves, so to speak. So these taskmasters are really slaves themselves to the right. Pharaoh. Everybody basically belongs to Pharaoh, with the exception of, say, the priests. And so you've got slaves being put over slaves and it's probably a cush job to go over and drive other slaves but i i, I it, we don't see this is different than say a free people lording it over uh, another group of people and enslaving them. right this is not so free people lording it over other now not free people. that's right um
1: you know and so of course uh what tribe did the father and mother come from who hid their son for three months levi it was Levi. It was Levi, the tribe of Levi. I remember Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Right. First uh, four sons born to Leah. And so, when the mother of the son could no longer hide him, she put him in the ark and placed him among the reeds by the bank of the river. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. If you if you want to do a little study, it's kind of cool. Is let's say you go through the uh, the reading. And look at the cross references you know we won't do that now for the sake of time yeah we but there's a actually a verse in the new testament that says that in the Greek Moses was beautiful he was a beautiful baby you know
0: a goodly he child. wasn't
1: ugly he was a beautiful baby mm-hmm. um, and, and so um, the young boy's sister watched him from the riverbank to see where he would go and you so know, who is this sister it's Miriam yep. is the oldest mm-hmm. uh, then Aaron is the middle child and Moses was the youngest so Moses is the youngest, yeah. youngest child Pretty much, just like King David was the youngest in, in he was chosen. Yeah, so, I'm the youngest. See? there's are you, a firstborn, hope for you. right? I'm a firstborn, which uh, means that see, the firstborn's got to get it right. All these Otherwise, cool people, you'll get it.
0: You notice all these cool people in the Bible are all youngest? There's a lot of them. Frayim, youngest. My father-in-law Moses, was the youngest who, who helped find youngest. or founded Beit Tehillah. King David, youngest. There you go. Good point. Solomon, I believe, was one of the youngest.
1: Oh, I mean he was he was a, he was kind of favored. I think
0: he was absolutely favored. He but, was definitely favored. But just think about all those those prominent people in the Bible that were all youngest. Last Imagine born. that.
1: So so who came down to the river to wash herself with her maidens?
0: Uh, this is going to be the daughter of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh.
1: Uh, you know, it's interesting. We talked about when we get to heaven, we get to talk to all of these people. There'll be no commentary. There'll be no need. You well, go right to the source. So we could actually go. You know to moses's mom and dad in heaven and say did god show you this was this you know like a, a word of knowledge and, yeah or did you just go for it and then miriam just followed him along the banks yeah i know i thought about this like so who do i want to line up to, to talk to first <laughs> no. you know oh yeah like gosh no how'd you build this boat with just the three of you yeah your three sons and you yeah in
0: did you he'd
1: probably say, Well, we had some supernatural things happen, like the you know Or he had a hundred years. You know, there was like a a, a Lowe's right in front of me or something. <laughs> right. Or, we had so a wait, let's move us. on. Well, uh, think about this
0: though. You what? know, when you get up there, I wonder how they feel about the commentary that's been said about them. I, mean, I wonder if they have like social no, no. media with a comment section where that's they could horrible. see like see this is what uh, this is what Rashi said it's about fake me, news. this is what you know. Fake commentary Kiva Can you imagine how wrong we Rabbi are Cook, to speculate. Rav Cook what did he say about me, you know? and then speculate. And then think about the, the Christian church, what, you know, all the commentaries about. I know. You know, Paul. I know Paul's see, rolling over, what right? What He's am I going like, to do
1: when I get to heaven? You're going to be doing a lot of talking. Yeah, well. And they're going to be asking us questions. So the sister of the boy asked Pharaoh's daughter if she should go and get a Hebrew nursemaid, and she agreed. The young maid went to get her mother, and Pharaoh's daughter even paid her wages to nurse the child. So, Look. My wife's nursing right now, boy. It's amazing.
0: So, you know, God chooses who he wants to choose. God appoints who he wants to appoint. And God shows mercy to He shows to he wants mercy, to show mercy to who to he wants, to. and favor to who he wants he to show He showed that favor. to Moses. So Moses' life is a miracle. And how—I mean, talk about favor, that this baby rolls up on the doorstep of Pharaoh's house, right? Pharaoh's daughter happens to be there and intercepts him and decides, oh, I want to adopt this baby— and then the mother, Moses' mother, even gets to come and basically raise that him. That seems like a divine appointment. Oh my! This look—if there's, if there's—and I mean, that's the so favor something of God. had to happen. So God obviously meddled, put all this stuff together. He educates, you know, Moses obviously in the house of Pharaoh. Now, so he gets a, uh, you know, an Egyptian education and Egyptian culture and all that stuff. So he understands the Egyptians, which obviously those are tools that he's able to use later.
1: That's a good point. Think about this though. Now Miriam and Aaron are able to live and they're fine, right? Because they're older, right? So now it's like this decree goes out, right? Right, like you can't go to restaurants, you have to wear a mask. Before none of this existed, yeah. Now all of a sudden you're having all these rules and all these things put on us, yeah. You know, and I know there's a lot, of, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of controversy over that, but I'm just making a point that at least Miriam and Aaron were old enough to be alive, yeah. And so now this decree goes out, and now Moses is not safe. She's got to put him in the river yeah. to give him a chance. I, I think she got a word of knowledge. So anyway, uh, the name of Moses means drawn out. And by the way, it is Egyptian. It's
0: right, Moshe Hebrew. is an Egyptian. Moshe is an name, Egyptian
1: yeah. word. So, so he's, given, he's given the name Moses to be drawn out, which kind of makes sense because he's going to be the deliverer, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when Moses was grown and saw one of the Egyptians beating his brethren, what was his response? Boy,
0: talk about fast forward, right? I mean, like, boom, he's he's grown up. We went from baby, drawn out of the water, to...
1: We call him the prince of Egypt at this point. So now he's He's grown up... He's in the court and everything. He's Raised by Pharaoh's
0: daughter. Right. So he's got preeminence. Oh, absolutely. So he sees somebody beating a Hebrew slave. Right. And, you know, I don't know what's going on in his life. Maybe he found out that he was a Hebrew or whatever. We don't know. He he feels bad for for this Hebrew. Empathy and compassion, yeah. Checks both ways, looks around, and then slays the Egyptian. Hides him in the sand. Buries him. No. He thinks that no one else has been there to see that. Now check this out. Exodus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says here, And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and, he said, and they said to him uh, that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely... This thing is known. ruh I've been found now, out. Now, they
1: say that Moses had some anger issues. But what I want to know is, was this premeditated? Did he kind of say, I'm taking this guy out? Or did he get into a scuffle and try to defend him and, and do something? I'm just saying, let's not speak for Moses. I'm just saying that I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt in a court of law so it
0: says here in verse 11 and 12 and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew one of his brethren and he looked this way and that way and when he saw that there was no man he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand so it gives the kind of the idea that he's like and then meditated yeah it sounds pretty premeditated continue on Ryan oh It's your turn. I took over the whole first page. I mean, that's look, how quick I am. you got There's so much to this. We got to move along. We you know? we're, we're we're on good time right now. That's good. That's good. All right. So, um, so what did Moses do when he realized that his own brethren knew he had killed an Egyptian and Pharaoh wanted to slay him?
1: He fled to the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. Yeah, so he ran. That's the modern-day country of Saudi Arabia today. So yeah. he's a fugitive. He's on the run. He's going east. Hit the road, Jack, now, and don't come back. Here's here's another thing to think about. If you go back to the culture, geographically speaking, of that empire, Egypt was all up into Israel.
0: Right. So he had to go further. So he had to get past all that. He had to go further east. So there was maybe like wanted posters up around for him or something right. along those lines. Yeah, now, the
1: post office.
0: Now, Pharaoh, I see, I can only imagine how this worked, right? So... You know, Moses is growing up in Pharaoh's house in some form or fashion. Right, the prince of Egypt. He's the son, now adopted son, of Pharaoh's daughter. But I can only imagine that there's contention about Moses' presence at some point, right? I'm
1: sure there's something about his identity that's being challenged.
0: Because or... I would think that if Pharaoh really like loved him as a son or a grandson and had really accepted him and taken him in, then him slaying the Egyptian would have been like no big deal. But this may have been like a C- I told you all this time he's a Hebrew. He's always going to be a Hebrew. Yada yada yada. One of those things where you know he was a self-fulfilling prophecy, smiting an Egyptian. Now, of course, that's all just my own personal like <laughs> imagination. It, sure, added to it. But I imagine that like Pharaoh putting out a hit on him doesn't sound like grandfatherly love. Like it's not like he's covering up for him. You know, what I mean, he's no, he's, he's going to pay the price. He's going to pay the price. So I mean, if he's
1: going to want to kill all the babies,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, this guy's this guy's pretty ruthless. Um, so he gets, he leaves, he goes to uh, Midian and he sits down by a well. Uh, and, and then we enter in the next stage of, of his life in the story. It says, the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water to fill the troughs for their father's flock. And the shepherds drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped the daughters to water their flock. So they're getting harassed by the shepherds because they're ladies. Moses comes in and helps them, you know, kind of say, Hey, look, I'm going to help them you know, back off. And Raul, Ruel, Raul. Remember what R- the daughter R-
1: said—that an Egyptian,
0: right, right, helped us. So clearly, defended
1: us. An Egyptian,
0: right? They thought he was an Egyptian, which yeah. I guess to them, being a Midian, he's an Egyptian, right? Because think of this: even though he's a Hebrew, and we are thinking of the Hebrews as a separate and distinct group of people from the Egyptians, to the Midianites, the Hebrews might as well be Egyptian because they're from Egypt. Right. They're in Goshen. All of the Hebrews at this point are in right. Goshen. Um, so Reul, R- Ruel, Ruel. we would had this problem last night. Ruel, the father of seven daughters, gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses for a wife. Then this Ruel is Jethro, Yitro.
1: Now, just to bring up a point here, which is a little template or a little pattern that we know that to draw water from the well is a lot of work.
0: It's not oh, something yeah, that's yeah,
1: easy, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in, in those days. Uh, but finding a bride at the well is what I would call this. Finding a bride at the well. We have, of course, uh, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, looking for a bride for Isaac. Oh, yeah. And he finds Rebecca. Yep. A uh, shepherdess, basically. By a know, well. With the flocks, you know. And then, of course, we go into uh, Yaakov, or Jacob, and he meets Rachel, the shepherdess, at the well. And also by her. a well. Yeah. Well, well, well. Oh, well. <laughs> So, is this then, where we say that's a deep subject? That is a deep subject, <laughs> especially Abraham's well. That's all I can say because, boy, I got to see that. It was amazing. Wow. When you go to Beersheba, they have a site there that's, they say it's 5,000 years old of civilization. Wow. That they can go back 5,000 years that civilization occupied this place. Pretty, pretty incredible when you that look at uh, archaeology. Uh, last but not least, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and he even says, can you give me something to drink? Right. Because see, remember, it's all about giving water. So Eliezer comes the woman shows herself you know jacob comes and he gets water and helps them to water so it reciprocates back and forth right and then of course we know that in this situation yeshua's asking for some water because that's what the bride does she gives water she She serves serves. and of course she was married five times and and the current guy she was living with wasn't her husband right uh and so he kind of calls her out but once again it's just a picture of, of all of us
0: but what's you know? cool is that Yeshua is is making a foreshadow of the work that he is to do to bring those that are lost right into the kingdom and you know
1: the Jewish you know if you go back to, to the Jewish people back at that time that was taboo oh absolutely to go into the land of Samaria to talk to Samaritan so what does Yeshua do he comes along and talks about hey there was a good Samaritan and you know so he's like saying you, you can't do this and so not only did he go into Samaria with the disciples, but he also uh, met a woman at a well that and he was alone So we her. would say
0: that Yeshua is not racist.
1: No, and then he, of course, stayed two days there. So, you know, it's kind of interesting when, when we're growing up today and we see things today, are we mature enough to say, you know, I could do that, instead of saying, oh, no, I wouldn't, you'd never catch me there, or you'd never catch me mm. doing that, or you'd never catch me with them. So let's continue on. You're lost, right? Let's do
0: it. So Moses ends up naming his firstborn son Gershom, which means a stranger here. And so remember, he's he's an Egyptian Hebrew, right? That's right. He's out in the land of Midian. He names his son Gershom. Why? Because he is... He's out of Egypt. A stranger there.
1: So he's definitely a stranger there. He's Jewish. not put all the pieces together yet. Right. Until we get into some, the burning bush.
0: Right. And so ger, meaning stranger or sojourner, right? Right. Um, and then the word Gershom, meaning a stranger here. While Moses was in the land of Midian, the king of Egypt died. Okay, so, so we have a change of administration. Maybe the hit out on Moses is going to pass. And, you know, the way they depict this in some of the movies is that this, this Pharaoh dies, he's the father, and somebody that Moses grew up with, might have been a brotherly figure to him, ends up becoming Pharaoh. And so now Moses is with one of his peers when he goes back, right? But at this point, it's obviously something, you know, that's going to give him an opening to come back in. And so God heard the groaning of the children of Israel and remembered the covenant that he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as you mentioned the 430 years, now the, t- the clock is ticking. It's, it's time for redemption.
1: Well, yeah, if you look at the time frame, he was 40 when he left Egypt. Right. So he's, he's 40 years, you know...
0: In Midian, in Midian, yeah. So now he's eighty, right? So, um, so, and that's how they, you know, that's how we get the numbers, right? So you you add up all these numbers and how Joseph was fifty six at the time that uh, I believe, or 57, 56 or fifty seven when his when Jacob pro- made the promises and and he passed because he was thirty when he got before Pharaoh seventeen years, yeah, and then thirty nine when the brothers came before him. So 57. well,
1: the thing we have to remember. So did now, you already say God heard the groaning of the children of Israel? I did. I did. And remember the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, here's the deal, Ryan. Think about this. So Moses is in Midian. He's 80 years old. And now the children of Israel are groaning. Right. Right. Now, hear me out on this. This is so powerful. This is the correlation. And of course, God's going to use Moses, right? Right. Now it's time. Like you said, now it's time.
0: Now's the time. Think
1: about right now Israel has been a nation since 1948. Predominantly a Jewish state, and here they are over there, and now we're over here with Torah on our minds and hearts for over 20 years, and now God is saying, It's time to connect with Judah. It's right. time to go to Israel. It's time to do something. And Hayavel has been doing it for how many years?
0: Oh, what? 14 years now? 15 years almost? 15? I think it was
1: 2007? 13 years? 13 years. So haivel has been over there helping the Jewish farmers with their harvest. So all I'm saying is now is the time to favor Zion.
0: Oh, absolutely. So that's
1: what we have here. And so what covenant did God remember and how relevant is it for today? Because it says right here... And God heard the groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. So, what I believe is happening in eschatology and prophecies in here all throughout is that there are people coming out of the nations that are not Jewish that are going to come alongside the Jewish people and make a stand. Right, They're going to make a stand. And so we need to keep that in mind that uh, God remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham. They can't just stay in Egypt and die off or whatever it is. They're going to have to expand and go towards the promise. And that's what we're going to see as God sends Moses to Egypt. Another name for uh, Ruel, the father of Zipporah, and the father-in-law to Moses is Jethro. Right. The father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now we're going to develop another storyline where he's got his own Torah portion. So check this out.
0: The promise that you're mentioning here, right? The covenant. Yeah. The covenant. This is what, remember, because we were talking about the time frame, and this is uh, Genesis 15, 13, because I was looking at 18. But it says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred 30 years and so that's right that's the the 430 right. year and read Galatians three twenty nine for the New Testament oh do we even need to read it you know if ye no. be Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise there you go oh. there's a lot in there you can take that to the bank Christ Abraham's seed
1: heirs promise it's all right there. you know
0: and that's a really great chapter Galatians three it talks about that those we put on we we, we die with Jesus and we're resurrected with him, right? And so that it's no longer us that lives, but it's Christ that lives in us,
1: right? And he gives us everything.
0: And so he's talked about putting Christ on, like a cloak that we put on, that we receive the righteousness of Yeshua. It's almost like we're in like a Jesus suit, you know, from a spiritual standpoint. And that's how we get righteousness in before God. That's how we make it into the kingdom is through Yeshua, not on our own, but through him. You know, if we
1: go back and look at this storyline it's kind of parallel with even with even Jacob because Mm -hmm. Moses had to go 40 years in Midian to learn how to be a shepherd yeah and all of that because he was a prince of Egypt right you know and so so what I'm saying is that uh, even Jacob had to leave you know he was a man of the tent and he, he had to go up north and he had to raise flocks and do all that before he could come back and be who he is which is very interesting oh yeah so uh what did Moses see when he took Jethro's flock to the backside of the desert?
0: Moses uh, saw the angel of the Lord in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He, sells the, he sees the burning bush. Right.
1: So, you know, they, they talk about these camphor trees or bushes or whatever it is. It's like a camphor tree that's very flammable. And periodically it can get so hot that some, they've, they've documented that some of these trees do—, they do uh, there's, you know, combustion that, that they actually right. catch on fire right and then they burn and they're gone. Well, Moses turned and saw what was going on and I'm sure he was looking to say, "Well, bye-bye tree." Yeah. but it just kept burning and the tree didn't dissipate. See, so that's what caught his attention like oh, this tree's burning. Oh, it should be done. And he's like, no, the tree's still there and the fire's still coming from it. And so God told Moses to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. So now this is a theophany.
0: So wait, so he walks up to the burning bush and the burning bush starts talking to him?
1: At this point, he turns and sees it. And even if it's a phenomenon out there, because trees do, you know, they, there's combustion from, from, from that, camphor, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so he realizes that the tree's not consumed. And then, of course, you know, this is what happened. So God wanted to send Moses to Pharaoh to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So this is where we find Moses is the designated deliverer. You know, there's a lot of controversy whether he was allowed to go into the promised land or not, even though he was not allowed to. Uh, God did not allow him to go into the promised land, right. but I will say that he is definitely the deliverer. For sure. But I couldn't find any verses that said that he could have gone into the promised land or he was going to go into the promised land. Well, I'm just saying that if, if you know that verse, please uh, email me at Nick at twopraise.net. Here's the deal.
0: You ready? Yeah. If God had promised that Moses got to go into the land or told him to go into then he would be in the land. That's what I'm saying. Period. End of story. You
1: know, um, so he was meant as a Levite to bring people teachings and instructions. Right. But Joshua, the Ephraimite, takes him into the Promised Ooh. Land. So you have to look at that pattern, yeah. and see how does that play out. You know what I mean? So, what was the name given by God to Moses to tell the children of Israel?
0: The name was I am that I am. So um, it has the connotation of timelessness.
1: Timelessness or a present God. Right right now, God is I am. Therefore, he is.
0: He exists.
1: He exists. And so God said to Moses that the name I am is his name forever and a memorial for all generations. So he is a present God. You know, it's funny. I'll I'll lay in bed at night and I get my pillows ready and I say, Lord, I'm going to sleep. But you neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. Amen. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. That's right. Uh, So Moses was to gather the elders of Israel and tell them that God was going to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. Just one little thought as I backtrack one point. Remember when they came to get Yeshua in the garden, they said, are you him? And he said, I am. And they all go. And they all fell back. Yeah. You know. They they all got slain in the Holy Spirit. They all fell back.
0: You know, <laughs>
1: actually, there's a reference in the dedication of the temple with with Solomon that the ministers could not even stand because of the glory of God. So don't make fun of people that are you know slain weak in the, in the knees or or under the influence of the Holy Spirit because uh, it's definitely biblical. Um, can it be you know twisted or perverted? Yeah, but anyway, so so Moses is given a mandate from God. Okay and he's given these instructions and now he's going to have to go to the elders of Israel. So you can't be a one man. Was it a one man show? Right. One trick pony, one man show.
0: Well, it, so, it reduces credibility. So,
1: so Moses was told by God to tell Pharaoh that a 3 days journey was needed in order for the children of Israel to sacrifice to God. So he's giving him a mandate. He's giving him instructions, and he goes on to say, And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, oh, he will let you go. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's telling him. And so... Um, What would the children of Israel have in the sight of the Egyptians that would cause them to leave but not go empty-handed? Well, they'll have favor. They're going to have favor. So so this is what God's telling it's, Moses. It's a mandate. This he's, is God. He's, he's spelling it he's, out for him. He's filling Moses up with all this information and all these things uh, and that they would not go into handed, you know, uh, but they would have favor. And so the, the three possessions that the Egyptians gave to the children of Israel uh, were jewels of silver, gold, and raiment or clothing. Now, we know they had material and different things because what are they going to do with all this material but build a tabernacle? Right. You know? Build a tabernacle. Build a meeting place with God. So there there we have it. Uh, and, of course, we go into uh, in Exodus chapter 4. We're in the fourth chapter. Uh, God gives power to Moses. So what do you think, Ryan? Let's take it from here.
0: Ooh, yeah. All right, we're going to so-
1: get into some extra... He's going to have to really build Moses up and encourage him, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. When, oh, yeah.
0: And this is pretty cool. So we start out in chapter 4, and God gives power to Moses so that he will be able to prove that he is sent by the living He's God. He's going
1: in, in front of the most powerful man in the world. They say, like, the president of the United States of America, the right. commander-in-chief, he is the most powerful man in the world.
0: Pharaoh, by far, is the most this powerful man I'm, in the world. This is what This is no— At this time. Yeah but before he can go before Pharaoh he first has to rally the troops so he has to go and explain to the people and convince them hey you're going cuz hey let's imagine he goes and he talks to Pharaoh and then none of the Israelites want to go with him
1: so basically he hears from God he hears this mandate he heeds to the burning bush takes off his sandals and all of that right. which is a theophany remember Joshua had to take his sandals off yep Are you with us? Are you against us? Remember Joshua said, and he realized, oh my gosh, you know this is the Lord. So the thing is, though, when you when you go on in the storyline, so God's giving all of this to Moses. Now Moses, as you share, is going to respond back to God, right? Because now he's been asked to do things. This is what you're going to do, and now he's going to respond, and this is his reaction,
0: right? Well, and this is, and so God's telling him all this, and he says, "Wait, what if the Israelites don't believe me? Right? What if they don't believe me? And so God uh, gives him a rod that turns into a serpent. Uh, makes it so that his hand becomes leprous, so he puts it into his his bosom and pulls it out, becomes leprous, puts it in, puts it back, and then it's healed again or back to normal. And also the ability to turn the river into blood.
1: So he was telling him, this is what you're going to do before the people. Correct. You're going to so, do these three signs. He didn't do it then. Right. He said, this is what you're going to do before the people. So he almost gave him like an incentive or a bonus package that I'm not just going to have you go and tell them. I'm going to show them signs and wonders.
0: Well, he needed to put together a delegation of people within the Israelites that were going to help him spread the word. Moses is here to deliver you from slavery. Right. We're going to go before Pharaoh and talk to him, but first got to be on board. And so they're all on board at the moment, but God obviously has to decimate all of Egypt before they're going to really go, right? And so Moses told the Lord that he was not a man of word, or not a man of words, and slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So there's speculation that this is a connotation or, or an idiom for that Moses stuttered, right? Had trouble speaking. Um, and the ang- when, he, when he tells God this, the anger of the Lord is kindled against Moses because of the excuses he made not to be the spokesman, and so the Lord gave it to Aaron, the Levite, his brother, for support. So he comes to him and is complaining, and he's like, do as I say, Aaron's going to help you.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny that um, I had a situation where I asked somebody, you know, uh, if you if they could do the ties and offerings and they were not prepared, they're like, oh no, I, I don't I don't know if I can do that or not. Huh. But then they reflected that God told them that you have to do public speaking. Don't be afraid to get in front of the people. And so I just came along and just confirmed what God had told them that they needed to do. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. You know, because it's like, oh my gosh, I was all worried about this, and, and God was saying, I need to do this. Yeah. Well, and then you get asked. And then you get asked. Oh, yeah. Remember, the thing that I feared has come upon me. <laughs> we just want to get past that.
0: Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> oh. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of fears that we have to overcome. Man, that's you. And sometimes we have to go through it in order to overcome. We're forced into it. Yeah. You know, it could be anything, you know? Yeah. Like a fear of hospitals or something. Well, my loved one died there, or the, uh, I can't go yeah. to that one, or yeah, yeah, this yeah. or
0: that. We just can't live there. No, we can't live like that. So when Moses asked Jethro, his father-in-law, to let him go back to his brethren in Egypt, he replied, go in peace.
1: Shalom. That's right. Go, you go have in- my blessing. That's right.
0: Which is nice. That was nice. Um, the, cool. Lord, the Lord told Moses before leaving Midian that those who sought his life were now dead. So Pharaoh's gone. Remember, because it's been forty years. Now it's a change of administration. The, the administration people that were trying to get get him are now gone. So, but when he goes back, he's not even going to be recognized, right? Because they always true. show, right? He was an Egyptian, right, with with uh, paint yeah. on his eyes and right. shaving and all that. Yeah, he comes back with like a big beard, looking like Charlton Heston and yeah. the tink- <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey, yeah, you
1: know it's a good look. You know, my dad. Uh, Looked like a, he's in Hebrew roots. My dad actually waited in the line because he had a book they had put out about this about the Bible when he did the little Bible series. Oh, Charlton Heston. Yeah, did they it had or? a book out. Oh, okay. That, they, that went along with the series of videos that he did. Oh, it's gotcha. Called the Bible. Right. And uh, I got Moses's autograph.
0: You got Charlton Heston's autograph. Wow. Was it like on a picture of Moses?
1: And if I'm not mistaken, don't don't quote me, but if I'm not mistaken, I think Charlton Heston died on Passover. So that's something to consider later on if you want to research it, public records. But I think he died on Passover. Wow. Um, I mean, he's
0: Moses. I, Charlton Heston certainly made that story popular. I mean, they still play that every year. Oh, yeah. Around the holidays. It's a classic. It is, absolutely. All right, let's do it. All right. So um, the people are now dead that were seeking his life. And so Moses goes back to Egypt with his wife and. His sons. So now here's the question. When Moses found out that he was not Egyptian, but a Hebrew, it changed his whole life. How was your life changed since you found out you were part of the Commonwealth of Israel?
1: Well, God is an indwelling, inbreaking God. He sure. just is. totally messed up my life. Yeah. And I really appreciate it yeah. because identity is so important in the days in which we live. We need to know who we are you know. And so with that comes some incredible responsibilities, but what a full life that we can have now. Yeah. To know God's plan that we're his children. You know, and so many things are stereotyped, you know, yeah, we're believers, we're Christians, but we're sons and daughters of the commandments. Right. We we belong to him. So it's only fitting that if there's a lawless one and lawlessness, then someone's going to have to have a law and be lawful. See, people don't get that. There's a contrast. So so uh, also, you know, I was just reminded, I know you read it and, and shared it, but, you know, Moses was making all the excuses. But, you know, uh, he, he's given me a lot of help. Not that I'm making excuses, but he's like, I'm going to give people to you in your life that's going to help you. Yeah. To get where you need to go. So uh, I want to go back to, you know, Moses was, you know, moaning and groaning a little bit. And he says, I'm going to give you Aaron. Right. So we got to remember that when Moses is going to go before the people or even Pharaoh, it's like he's God. Yeah. And Aaron's the spokesperson or the prophet. Mm. So they're going to look at Moses like he's a god, right. but he's not. Aleph Beta does this very well in, in their teachings Explain, to understand yeah. that whole culture thing. But, you know, if you go back to Joseph, you know, he was a Hebrew, 17 years old, goes down to Egypt, becomes, once again, represents the world. Yeah, Just like God pulled us out of the world. The world's not our friend.
0: No, it we is not. We realize that. No, you know, absolutely.
1: Oh, it'll eat you up and spit you out if it can it'll run you over with a bus so my thing is uh in the same way that that joseph realized hey his brother's come into his life and he's got to redo his whole identity thing and bring them in right you know so so that's kind of like what, what the jewish people do for us they come into our life to show us what we have and what we can do and i really love that with joseph and with moses just like with us it's the same thing well i thought i was roman catholic or yeah, i thought yeah, i was yeah. this or that a methodist but but it just goes deeper that this is God's original plan, what you and I are living out. Yes. This is God's plan. And that's the joy of it, that, that you can go deeper. So Christianity, you know, there's deeper levels of Christianity. Yes. We need to understand that if we so choose to go that route. Yeah. But we make the world a better place knowing what we know, doing what we do. Because we have the Torah, we make everybody better around us. We make society better. Yeah. We make this world a better place. And following the Gospels and, and loving unconditional and all that. But I, I'll tell you, it, it, it truly changed my life oh, yeah. uh, to this day. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that.
0: Oh man, I'll tell you. You know what it did for me is I was you know, I was a a Christian. You know, all this time, right? So probably the. Seven, eight, ten years prior to coming into the Hebrew roots, you know, I was going to uh, basically non-denominational churches, um, big, big, large churches, um, which I don't have anything against them. Um, I was enjoying myself, right? right, going to church, all that thing. I had good community and whatnot. But there were certain things that were doctrinal that kind of nipped at me, and I didn't really understand them until I, I saw some teachings that kind of clarified and put me on the path. But right. What ended up happening is I got um, some clarity on identity specifically, which I think is a big deal, which really has added a, a, a fullness to my walk with God. Because you hear things like your identity in Christ or you should be different than the world. Um, you hear the, these are catchphrases within Christianity, but they're not really given teeth or the rubber never actually hits the road right you're still kind of hovering up here and you're never given the pragmatic approach an to, ambassador of christ right i know uh, i haven't seen the mandalorian but i know that google or uh, what is it not google but disney plus has this show called the mandalorian and everybody's got all these memes about this is the way you know and i want to tell them no this is the way <laughs> the bible this well, is yeah. this is the, the
1: mandalorian way. way it's a creed it's not a race of people so it's kind of an interesting concept though
0: yeah, I don't even know what it is. But well, I
1: mean, it's not, it's not the Mandalorian is not a race of people. Gotcha. It's who takes the creed.
0: Uh, well, even better. No, that's what I'm saying. Because though. that's so, what we're So anybody about.
1: can be a Mandalorian as long as you take the creed.
0: Right. Anybody, so that's kind of interesting. Anybody can be part of the right. way. Right. The way of Jesus Christ, right? And so w- what I realize is that once, once you get that identity piece and that gets inside of you, then all of a sudden it's almost like getting your DNA done or going on like right. these family tree websites and then you realize like who you are and now all of a sudden it's like hey my whole family was a bunch of you know right? F- you know uh what is it the lumberjacks you know right. or something like that yeah. now all of a sudden you're like man I've always really liked trees I'm, That's I'm, I'm right. a lumberjack you get these things and it brings a fullness but now once you realize who you are in Christ now you go back and you read Moses Yeah. and you're like
1: and it makes multitude comes out of Egypt too so it all adds up
0: but it becomes your Seven heritage. Seven billion people in the world. It's no longer those people's heritage and right. just some nice, fanciful story. These are real people that lived, that went before us, that we're reading, and that we're now picking up the ancient path and picking up where they left off right. and walking the ancient path through the Hebrew roots. And I think that's what makes it really cool.
1: Well, you know, as we progress through the story, you know, I love what God does. He tells them in advance what's going to happen. So, so what was God going to do to Pharaoh's heart when God told Moses to do wonders before him?
0: Uh, he was going to strengthen or harden Pharaoh's heart. So he's he's just strengthening what's already there. Yeah, because Pharaoh Cause already Pharaoh has had a choice. This Yeah, this course.
1: So, so, you know, it's not like... He doesn't take Pharaoh's free will. Yeah, he doesn't take away his free will. And, and so what two things was Moses to say to Pharaoh that the children of Israel were to God?
0: The, the children of Israel were his son, even his firstborn.
1: Wow. His son and his firstborn. So yeah. Israel is his firstborn. Yep. so what does that mean ryan those that are grafted in the commonwealth of israel it's
0: not smart to mess in with ephesians them. 2 or yeah. grafted
1: in the romans right you you know it talks about the firstborn of the church different things you know what a responsibility it is to be a firstborn and carry on what god wants you know yeah. and so uh why did god want pharaoh to let his son go so that his son could go and serve him see uh, the word church is the greek word ekklesia and it means to be called out called out ones yeah Christian is little Christ. So the thing is, we are we are actually we're we're called out to follow Him. And so if Pharaoh would not let God's son go, he was going to slay Pharaoh's firstborn son. So we already set a precedence here. So you're
0: holding on to my firstborn and won't let him go. My retribution will be
1: to kill your. firstborn. Well, the thing is, why can he take the firstborn? Because they belong to him. That's what God says. He establishes the fact the right. firstborn is mine. Right. It's a law
0: in Leviticus. And,
1: and so and so to stop the Lord from killing Moses. Uh, Zipporah, his wife, cut off the foreskin of her son. You know, So we have a situation here where Moses kind of dropped the ball. He was supposed to circumcise, kind of him hauled around, lollygagged around a little bit. And it was so severe that that God was going to kill Moses for not doing it.
0: Listen, this was so random, right? You're reading along this story. I know. And then
1: boom. But it just goes to show you the missing piece, that what? all the pieces have to fall into line. It's
0: literally a three-verse bunny trail. Right. Where you just take a left turn. I had a Catholic buddy of mine of all people, right, that asked me specifically about these verses was like, hey, so I was reading in Exodus, and I get to this part, and then like, boom, this thing about circumcision, what's that about? Why is it like just this little blurb? And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. But it's, um, it's, it's very random. But, I mean, the title in mine says Moses Reinstitutes Circumcision, but this isn't really a reinstitution of circumcision. Circumcision never went away. Um, you know, Moses, that we know of, we don't know. Well, we don't know. You're right. We, we don't We just know. don't know. Um, we don't know if they got
1: to practice it or not.
0: Right, but clearly God wanted to make sure that Moses' kids were circumcised. Moses seems to have been, you know, shirking the responsibility of doing so, and so Zipporah took matters into her own hands, literally, and, uh, and and did the deed.
1: So once again, you know, we can't k- skip a step. So in the Hebrews, the Christian faith movement right now, we can't skip a step. Right. So God's going to equip I us, like prepare that. us, and show us yep. what to do so that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, why didn't you do these things? You're jumping the gun, you yeah. know? And and so the Lord sent Aaron into the wilderness to meet Moses in the Mount of God. And when they met, Aaron kissed Moses. It's a family reunion. Just like the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles right now. It's a reconciliation of the Mishpachah, of the family. So, so
0: God m- sent Aaron into yeah. the wilderness to meet Moses at the Mount of God. Would this be Mount Sinai?
1: Interesting, the Mount of God. And when they met, uh, Aaron kissed Moses. Now you gotta remember that when the children of Israel leave Egypt, Moses is going to take them where he's already been and that's a principle you can't take people where you haven't been Yes, that's a good
0: word. It is a good word
1: So Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel and Aaron was the spokesman once again uh, They also did all the signs in the sight of the people just like God said the people believed and when they knew that the Lord looked upon their affliction they bowed their heads and and worship it so, was good news so he's got his hand in his bosom he's like now it's you a see pep it? rally it's leprous now you don't it's a pep rally and people are like what? it's really and he turned the, the river into blood right so it's a pep rally and so now we go into exodus chapter 5 moses and aaron they are going to meet pharaoh now it's going to go down it's going to go down and so it begins and you you can go ahead and continue yep. on from this. so moses and Aaron are going to meet pharaoh
0: yep so uh chapter 5 verse 1 Says, and afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, "Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness." So, wow. so he's he's uh, he's starting off with just the direct command from God. And remember, each of these times that uh, Moses goes before Pharaoh. He's just saying what God has told him to say. So and remember, he's already
1: letting them know about feasts
0: before they're even given to him. That's true. and But here it says, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. And so Pharaoh did not know the God of Israel. Actually, in 5-2, Pharaoh says, who is this Lord? Who is this Yahweh, right? And I that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not Yahweh, right, the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. Go. He didn't know the god of Israel. He said, "Do not pass go. Do not collect money." Yeah, $100. he knew all
1: the other guys like Ra, right? The sun god. But so that's he, that's an interesting point. You know, um, think about this, Ryan. Did you keep the feast when you were in the world? Uh, no, none no. of us did. No, no, I didn't keep the feast. No. So Egypt is a type of the world.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And so when we come out of the world, that lets us know. That we're in his kingdom. Yep. When we keep the feasts, yeah. we are in God's kingdom. Yep. We've been brought out to do that. Yep. And look, here we are in this area, this community, celebrating the feasts. Yeah. And a brand new feast cycle is going to be coming at a church of
0: near you. Hallelujah. You know, Pharaoh literally, I say literally, he basically spits in God's face. I don't know this this Yahweh, well, he, He's deity, and I will not let Israel right. go. I mean, he's deity. Right, because Pharaoh, you know, he's supposedly go a on. deity. So Moses and Aaron told Pharaoh that they needed to go for three days' journey into the desert to sacrifice to the Lord their God, lest he fall upon them with pestilence or with the sword. Three is divine of the Lord. So once again, feasts, three days...
1: Well, they're just starting with small requests, right? Look, How long would day, it take days. to get out of Let there? Let us go three days. How far could you go with three days walking if you're in Goshen? Right. This is a three-day journey. I think you could pretty
0: much maybe be out of the empire. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, about what it would take to walk, right? And so let's say you're doing a walking at a two-minute mile pace, which with a bunch of people and flocks and herds and kids and wagons and all that, two-minute mile, you're going to be booking it, all right? That's two, Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty good so you're looking at a 10 hour day of non-stop it's gonna take you more
1: than two minutes to do a mile
0: that's what I, no 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 a two minute i'm sorry what am i saying
1: you're gonna need at least 10 minutes a mile
0: that's what i meant yeah at least 10 two miles an hour that's what i meant i'm oh, sorry two miles not an two hour. minute mile two miles an hour okay yeah. so that's a 30 minute mile because if you're walking right, right. two miles an hour is going to be a, a pretty pretty fast pace for people that have are you ever moving. tried to
1: google directions Oh, yeah. And, and it do tells walking, you. Yeah. Five I'm like, hours. You know, wow. It
0: takes me 10 minutes to drive that. And
1: so you could actually do a mile a minute in a car.
0: Oh, more than that. Yeah. That's what I'm pretty much. Yeah. Mile if a you
1: minute. want to guesstimate. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Walking, riding a bike, or a car. It's a lot slower. You know, because I did it from my house to where you live. Foundation coffee, it yeah. came up. And I was just looking online. I thought, wow, that's, that's going to take a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't walk. I think that. it was like, I don't know if it was
0: three hours. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. Well, and that's my point. So at a two-minute mile pace, thirty minutes on a bike, ten hours nonstop, fifteen minutes in a car. I don't know. Ten hours a day, nonstop. That's twenty miles. Three days journey. You're only getting sixty miles out of wherever you were. So a three days journey is about sixty miles, in my estimation. That's from
1: here to Orlando, right? That's so not very
0: far. I don't think they're getting. Too I would far.
1: like to do the miles in there because you know he he actually went through the harsh desert, right, when he ran for his life. That
0: place was harsh. Yeah. All right, let's do, let's do it. Let's continue. All right, on. let's keep going. Where was I? Get off the sand trail. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so he tells them in three days, right? So how did Pharaoh make it harder on the children of Israel after meeting with Moses and Aaron in regards to letting the people go? So Moses gets offended, wow. right? Go ahead.
1: Well, he, he he made them gather their own straw to make bricks. So so God says these incredible things, the incredible promises, gives them instructions, tells them what to do, tells them what to say, and, and even has Aaron with him, and now all of a sudden there's resistance. Oh, yeah. no, no, this ain't going to happen, yeah. Moses. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're not going to let your people go. Yeah, sorry.
0: This is, this is where we get into what? We're, 1 Corinthians sixteen nine. right? I don't know. But I've opened a door unto you, and a, and a door has been opened to me in great effectual, right? So it's like it, it's intensifying now.
1: It, it's kind of like the restoration where you gather the whole
0: house of Israel, then COVID hits. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like uh, I was in Israel and then COVID hits and then I want to go back to Israel and COVID is still here.
1: Right. P- pretty much it's been a year, at least a year.
0: Well, a year. In January. In, in, yeah, right, right. It's been a year. You're right. Um, I was in Israel uh, in February last year, last year and I wanted to go back again February this year and make the trip again. Lockdown. But in order to go over there I'd have to quarantine for 2 weeks while there. So really to go and you got to stay for 2 months. And well, and because of the 2 week quarantine, it only makes sense to go if you're going to stay for 2 or 3 months from a right. from a logistics perspective at Haivel. That's good. So I was a little bummed out about that. But um so now they have to make their own straw and bricks. The children of Israel are not happy. So the children of Israel Uh, had to make the same amount of bricks, even though they had to search and find their own straw. And so the officers of the children of Israel complained to Pharaoh about (coughs) being beaten by their taskmasters because they were not fulfilling their tasks. So Made it harder on them. So the children of Israel had a pep rally, and they were all excited, but now Moses, I think, feels like they're going to turn on them. And Right. What was the reason Pharaoh was harsh with the children of Israel?
1: Because they were going to leave Egypt to sacrifice
0: to God. That's right. They were going to leave, they, you know. and he wanted them to make bricks. He's like, who's going to make bricks if you guys leave?
1: Well, remember, the, the slaves ran the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Look, think about hospitality and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Should, you know, take them out. I guess they say, I don't know how many foreigners are in Saudi Arabia, but they do all the work. Yeah. Or something like I'm not sure what the record is or the percentage is, but yeah, if all the foreigners left Saudi Arabia, it would go under.
0: Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, the slaves... You know, being being other slaves, being taskmasters over the Egyptians. I was watching a documentary that was talking about that um, the percentages of, of people groups that owned slaves in the South. It's a very small percentage of, of people that actually owned slaves, but those that did own slaves owned a bunch of slaves, right? So they owned a ton of them. Um, so it wasn't as many people as people would think that were involved with, mm. with the slave trade. Gotcha. But I was surprised that uh, when they were talking about free people, the percentage of African Americans that right. owned slaves, it was like 40 or 60 percent in some states mm-hmm. that the free African Americans also owned you know, slaves. It was interesting how how slaves are are you know, right. affecting each other. And so uh, where were we? The officers of the children of Israel blamed Moses and Aaron for their affliction which we kind of discussed that. And God did not ignore Moses when he cried out on behalf of the people. And so now we come to the end of the Torah portion, chapter 6 and verse 1, and it says this, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. You know, Pharaoh made it tough on
1: them, and the taskmasters were beating them. Yeah. Because Pharaoh says, because you want to leave me, I'm going to beat you now.
0: Well, and, and think about it. Things get worse before they get better, right? Things heat up, right? And then they calm down. Well,
1: it's like all these cool things that he tells Abraham, remember? Land and descendants. Right. And then the famine hits. Oh, there's no food. You got to go to Egypt. Yikes, yeah. You just gave me some good news, great I news, know. you know? It, it, it's like anything. And so, you know, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Shemot, or names, Ryan?
0: Well, I think what, the, what do you have? I think the first one would be that you should keep your eyes open for what the Lord is doing. Uh, one of the big things they talk about, um, one of the the special things about Moses is the fact that he turned and noticed this burning bush, um, a seemingly, you know, not not a big deal, right? Because as you mentioned, these trees catch on fire, and if he's out there for forty years and he's seen this before, yeah. but this time he sees there's something different, and so we need to be aware of of how God is working because God works within normal life. Right. And so we want to see the hand of the Lord work. We want to notice with those things and we want to be obedient to do the things that God has called us to do.
1: That's good. You know, if, if I would just say two things from this is, um, I would say number one, God keeps his promises Amen. and they will be fulfilled Amen. at the right time. Amen. And a says, woman. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And a woman. So God keeps his promises. And at the right time, the Bible says the Messiah came. Right. So timing's everything. So God keeps his promises, number one. Yep. Number two, I would look at uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Hallelujah. So we all have scars and stories, and I had to go through this and that, but but here we are. Yep. So that's it. We did it. Wow. One hour. We did it.
0: Maybe
1: a little less <laughs> with your editing.
0: <laughs> we'll see. What an exciting time. I know. And it's going to get more better. Next week. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray out. Gracious Father, we just thank you so much. We know, Father, that there is a greater exodus coming. And so we're so excited to read your word. And from what we gather here, God, we know that there's a coming day where you're going to bring us into your kingdom here on earth. And so we're so excited and we look forward to that today, Father. And we just thank you for it. We thank you for that blessed hope that you've given us. We thank you for your Son, Yeshua. We thank you that you have brought us into your kingdom and that we can act now on your behalf in this world. In this lifetime. And so we just, we receive the richness and the fullness of your spirit through your word in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Awesome stuff, guys. We love you. Bless you. Have a great day.